listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good? Wow, the 9 a.m. crowd is ready to worship God this morning. Y'all are engaged. That was a good response, everybody. Well, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, Good morning. My name's Brian. I'm the assistant pastor here. Uh, So happy that I get this morning to worship God alongside each and every one of you. I love that energy, that passion that you guys had during worship. That makes, makes my heart happy. Well, hey, go ahead, take out a notepad, uh, a physical copy of a Bible, something to take notes on. Uh, at New Chapel, uh, and we say this often, we believe in taking notes because God speaks today. Amen, somebody? God speaks today, and I believe that God has something. He wants to speak to you exactly where you're at, this morning. We're going to jump into the scripture today. Take out your Bible, Matthew chapter 21. We're going to jump right into the word this morning. Are y'all ready to receive from God this morning? Amen, somebody? Absolutely. Uh, Matthew 21, the Bible says in verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their clothes. Pause. This is Jesus. This is him entering into Jerusalem. He's on a, a coal, a donkey, uh, King James would say something else, but I'm not going to say that right now. But he, he's coming into Jerusalem. Uh, the Bible says, A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who, uh, multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This event, this moment is captured in all four gospel accounts. It's called the triumphal entry. All four gospel accounts have that same heading, the triumphal entry. And actually, for those of you in the room who like extra homework in 1 Kings uh, chapter 1, this is actually a reflection of the entry that King Solomon made into Jerusalem uh, when King David crowned him as the king. And so for those of you who want extra extra homework, uh, pretty cool stuff. But part of me, when I read this passage of scripture, I want to ask a question. And maybe you feel like this too. And the question is, what is so triumphal about this entry, right? Because we know that five days later, on Good Friday, Jesus is crucified. And so I ask that question, what about this entry is so triumphant? Because when I think about triumph, I think about, I think about absolute victory, right? I think about winning. I think about... The University of Michigan football. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yes. I see the Michigan fans, all you state fans. I'm so sorry. And I'm just kidding because Michigan has kind of stunk over the last couple of years. But praise the Lord, that's not my message today. But for me, it's difficult to understand why it is triumphant when we contrast that to the fact that Jesus is going to be crucified literally days later. And it's awesome because Greek, uh, the Greek word for triumph is threembio, to conquer, to give victory, to triumph over. And I want to tell you today, the greatest triumph, the greatest victory ever won for the kingdom of God was on the cross. What did Jesus conquer? He conquered death, sin, hell, the grave, so that we can have triumph in this life through Christ. Amen, somebody? Amen. And the disciples, they missed this. They missed it. The disciples of Christ, 
they believed that Jesus was going to establish God's kingdom on earth. They believed it was going to be then and there that Jesus was going to come. Messiah, he's here. This is the moment where we're, we're overthrowing the Roman Empire. God's going to establish his kingdom. They absolutely did not foresee him being crucified just days later. And the crazy thing about that is Jesus, you read through the Bible, Jesus told them. He told them exactly what was going to happen. And they still missed it. And in the same way, I believe some of God's church misses why Jesus came too. Because Jesus died on that cross and he was going to establish something that the disciples missed and that was his church. Jesus died to establish his church. And his church, I think, misses why he came too. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, a couple of scriptures here. I want you to really sink into this today. I want, I want this to challenge your perspective a little bit. Luke 19.10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 5.31 and 32, Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come... Listen to this. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus came for that person in your family who's far from God, who actually makes fun of the God that you worship at every family holiday. I'm here to tell you that Jesus came for that friend who's living an immoral lifestyle. Jesus came for that person who's addicted to drugs, for that person who's messed up, jacked up. Jesus did not come for the righteous, but for sinners. I tell you this too, Jesus didn't come so that we could come in here and sing a couple songs and give the preacher a good listening and you'll feel good about ourselves, but then go out into our day-to-day life and take no real action for him. Amen, somebody? That one's a little bit more difficult to give an amen to. I understand. But without the focus on reaching people far from God so that they could be raised to new life in Christ, we honestly, we miss the entire purpose of why Jesus came and the focus of what Christ has for us on earth today. And this is the instruction from Jesus to every Christian. And I'm going to give it in two different places. Mark 16, 15. It's called the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew's version. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus did not just give this commission to the apostles and to pastors, I'm here to tell you, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, a face-to-face experience with him, if you've put your trust in God, this instruction is for you today. And I remember when I was a newer Christian, and I was being taught about the implications of the Great Commission on my life. And if I'm being honest, what I thought was, I am, I'm unqualified I'm unworthy. And honestly, I thought, I'm too too busy for for all that. I don't have time. Like, that's not my job. That's their job. You know, they're the minister. That's not my job. My job, you know, I'll come to your thing, uh, but my job is to go to school and to play these sports. But I'm here to tell you, if you've put your trust in God, you're given this instruction from Jesus, from the master. Preach the gospel make disciples. And you can leave the baptizing to us, right? You can leave that to us. We're actually going to be doing that in a couple weeks here, which we're excited about. I hear one single hand clap. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Hunter. I appreciate that, that support right there. Praise God. And there's a story in John chapter 4 that I think really illustrates uh, the heart of Jesus and he really he shows us the practical steps that we can take to help somebody else 
have an encounter with Jesus. This is the Samaritan woman at the well. We're going to pick it up. John 4. This is where we're going to camp out most of the time today. So go ahead, if you have your Bible, flip with me to John 4, verses 3 and uh, through 5. The Bible says, He, this is Jesus, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But He needed to go through Samaria. I think it's very interesting how the Word says He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. I think that is so interesting what the Bible says there because technically, geographically, you could say, yes, he needed to go through Samaria because Judea is is south and Samaria is here, Galilee is up north. But most Jews avoided that area. There uh, There was bad blood between Samaritans and and the Jews. And so most Jews, they would just completely go around that area. It's not worth the hassle or the risk or the danger of going through there. But Jesus says, I need to go through Samaria. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus sits down at this well. The Bible says he was thirsty. He sits down. A woman comes and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. What I want to show you in this passage of Scripture is that every single person needs a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Every single person needs a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And here we have the Master showing us how to help someone have a face-to-face encounter with with him, And I just want to show you how he did it. And this is one of the best chapters in the Bible on helping us to help someone else have an encounter with Jesus. So I just want to expound on that a little bit. Point number one, write this down, don't argue. Don't argue. Point number one, it's going to be a real simple message. This is what the, uh, the enemy wants you to do. And in this Easter season, I'll just tell you right now, I want to preface the entire the entire message with this, you have an opportunity in front of you with it being Easter because there's people in your life who need to hear about Jesus or need to come into the house of God, and this is a, 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 an opportunity. And so point number one, don't, don't argue. That is what the enemy wants you to do. And you may think it's the person who's trying to argue with you. Really, there's a spiritual realm out there. And there are demonic spirits that are doing everything that they can do to get people to not have an encounter with Jesus. Did you know that? And really, it's, the, it's these demonic spirits that are trying to get you, draw you into arguments with people. It's exactly what the enemy wants. So we need to not be drawn in to arguments. And we see in this passage of scripture, this woman brings to Jesus three different arguments, and they're the most common arguments you'll see in any situation when you're trying to invite someone to church or trying to share Christ with someone. And I want to I wanna show you them because, uh, remember, Jesus never argued with Satan. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and, and he never argued with him. The devil came against him, and he said, remember when he said, well, if you are the Son of God? Jesus didn't say, well, I am the Son of God. I'll show He didn't argue with him. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He never was drawn into an argument. And these are the three common arguments that the enemy will try to bring against you when you're trying to get involved in the Great Commission. The first one is race. Write that down. The first one is race. Verse 9, then the, uh, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Here's what she's saying. I don't know if you know this, but there's a history between the Jews and the Samaritans, and she's saying, I don't know if you understand, but there's been some things that have happened that have caused some friction between our races, and I just want you to know uh, this is not okay that you're talking to me right now. And she also brings up gender. Culture wasn't like 
in, in the time of Christ, culture wasn't quite like how it is today. Uh, this was actually for him to be talking to her. That was a big no, no. So we see Jesus breaking down barriers, not just racially, but between the genders as well. And I want to tell you, culture right now, culture, in our culture, there are forces at play that are trying to put up barriers between people. The culture is actively trying to make it difficult for us to talk to one another. Whether that's gender, whether that's race, ethnicity, culture, there are things at play trying to put up barriers. And I want you to know that race is a man-made barrier. Race is not a God-made barrier. It is not a God-made barrier because we were all made in the image of God. Say amen, somebody. I appreciate that right there. Don't let race, ethnicity, social status, gender, all of these things stop you from talking to somebody because you are talking to a soul who needs Jesus Christ. You're talking to a soul, somebody who needs to have a face-to-face encounter with God. I'm going to say something that I hope doesn't shock you. I hope this doesn't shock you. I don't believe in evolution. And it's... (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, Lord. I don't believe in evolution. I believe in creationism. Um, I believe in creationism. I believe we're all made in the image of God. And one thing you'll notice, though, is every bigot uses evolution as a part of their argument. They'll say, well, one race evolved more than the other. And here's why that's wrong. We were all created in the image of God. And I'll take it one, so that's wrong, but uh, I'll I'll take it a step further. Um, Evolution is unconstitutional. Our Constitution says that we were all created equal. We were all created equal. And you have rights that are given to you by God, not by a government. Amen, somebody? Given to you, yes, praise the Lord. Given to you by God. And no government can take that away from you. Amen. Race is a man-made barrier. We need to stay clear of arguments about that. This is how Jesus responds to this woman. He says, if you knew the gift of God, right, doesn't even bite on it. If you knew the gift of God and who it is says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you Living water brings it right back to himself, to God. Argument number two, write this down, is reason. Argument number two is reason. And we're to think, listen to me, we're supposed to think and be logical, but watch what she says in verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? That's a reasonable question. That's a reasonable question. And what I want you to notice is Jesus is talking on a spiritual level. She's talking on a natural level. When I'm sharing Christ with somebody, I'm I'm talking on a spiritual level. I'm, I'm addressing a spiritual need that that person has. But here's what the enemy's gonna do. He's gonna throw things into people's minds. Well, what about the dinosaurs? Or what about this? Or what about that? Or what about what the scientists say? Because they're reliable, right? But what about what they, what about this? (laughs) Yes. What about this and what about that? But here's the thing. I want you to know it's okay to say, I don't know about all that. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. Amen, somebody? It's okay to say, I don't know. If you have had an encounter with Jesus, you are qualified to be a witness. You're qualified to share Christ with somebody. You don't need to think, oh man, I got to learn all of this stuff before I can ever tell somebody about what Jesus did in my life. You don't need to be able to explain everything in the Bible. The knowledge will come. What's more important is that we're intentional with being a Christian, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday too. Amen, somebody? 
And this was a big one for me, this reason, this reason thing, because I remember I was at a family Christmas one time. This was when I was a newer Christian, and I had what, what the Bible would call zeal without knowledge. Like, I loved God, but I didn't really know much. And so uh, I was at a family Christmas, and uh, side of the family were, I know you probably have this too with your family get-togethers, where it's like, we don't talk about politics, and we don't talk about religion, right? You know what I'm talking about? And we were just talking about random whatever, and the topic wasn't going towards God at all, uh, but it randomly just, it shifted to the Bible. And I thought, here it is. <laughs> this is my opportunity. This is, this is when I'm going to get to share Christ with my family. And I felt the anxiety in my stomach, and I'm, you know, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, gosh, this is, this is it. This is my time. And then uh, somebody, I'm not saying any names, but somebody uh, said, well, I just believe the Bible's all symbolic and, you know, it's meant to teach us stuff, but it never really happened. I was, you would have thought my brain was a dial-up computer because it just shut off. <laughs> it shut off completely. And, and I had, honestly, it's serious. I had no idea what to say uh, because I knew that wasn't right. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to articulate the truths in the Bible. I didn't really know how to talk about it. And I got upset and didn't make any sense because, like, Joan and the whale, God parting the Red Sea. Like, there's some incredible things that God has done where, you know, that's where faith comes in. You need to just trust God a little bit. And, and so I knew that wasn't right what, what uh, I said she, what she said, but... <laughs> It's okay. They're not, yeah, they're not, they're not going to figure it out anyways. Well, they will if, if they watch this, but praise the Lord. Um, it's not... Oh, gosh, I'm getting off. That bothered me for weeks. For, for, honestly, for months. I, I, I literally I lost sleep over it. And I felt, like I, I felt like I had failed God in that moment. And I was very grateful. My pastor ministered to me. He said, you don't need to defend God. He said, God's, God's big enough. You don't need to feel like you failed. You don't need to defend him. It's okay to say, I don't know. But can I tell you about what Jesus did in my life? Because they can argue about the dinosaurs but they can't really argue about how Jesus changed me. If you would have known me before I was a Christian, well, I'm just happy none of you knew me before I was a Christian because it, it wasn't great because Jesus changed me fundamentally. Does that help anybody? Is that helping anybody? Third argument that the enemy's going to use is religion. Religion. Verse 20, this woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus doesn't bite on this either. You know what he doesn't say? Well, we Jews believe that this and that, and the Bible actually says that he didn't do any of that. He gave her an answer. He brought her back to God, but we don't argue about religion. Religion is also a man-made barrier. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christ is God's attempt to get to man. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Amen, somebody? It's about relationship. And what's actually amazing is if we spend some time with people and we allow them just to see our genuine relationship that we have with God, their eyes will be opened and they'll actually want what you have. It's not... They'll want what you have. And I remember I was working at uh, Tommy's Express Car Wash when I was 19, doing big things for the Lord. And, um, and I was working at the car wash, and I had built a relationship with my coworkers. You know, I'm not trying to shove the Bible down their neck, nothing like that. I'm just trying to be a friend and be somebody that they can respect as a coworker and depend on. And we were, we were just working one day, and it was me and this other guy in, in the office. And he turns to me, and he says, uh, he says, man, you're pretty religious, aren't you? I said, I, I, I thought, how interesting is that question? 
You know what I mean? How interesting is that question? And uh, I, I looked at him and I said, I said, actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm not religious at all. Like zero percent religious. I said, but I do have a relationship with Jesus. I said, I do have a, re- uh, a relationship with Jesus. And this is a true story because I heard uh, when, when I said that and we started talking a little bit, I could see his eyes were open. This was a new concept. A relationship with God was a new concept. And this is what he said, true story. He looks at me and he says, well, my grandma's Catholic. I'm dead serious. That was his response. And I said, that's awesome. I, I said, I, I love the Catholics, and a lot of my family's Catholic too, and so that's, that's really cool. And we kept talking, and we talked about having a relationship with Jesus. And uh, there were some things he had questions about that I didn't know the answer to. And guess what I told him? I don't know. And he had some disagreements with me, but I never argued with him. I never had, because there were some things I could tell. He was kind of testing me a little bit, but I never argued. I stayed clear of those foolish arguments that do nothing productive at all. This is what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3. It says, but avoid foolish disputes. Watch what it says. Genealogies, that's race. Contentions, that's reason. And strivings about the law. It's religion. For they are unprofitable and useless. Avoid foolish disputes. Genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law. Race, region, religion. We don't argue. Amen, somebody? If you want to help somebody have an encounter with Jesus, write this down. You need to build a relationship. You need to build a relationship with that person. We see in verse 7, Jesus says to this woman, to give him a drink. Do we think that Jesus couldn't have gotten a drink himself? He said in, the bio, in, in God's word, Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to serve. He turned water into wine. He, like he didn't really need her to get him a drink. He was concerned about her spiritually. And he knew exactly, I believe, exactly where he was going with that conversation the moment he started talking to her. He really uh, struck up that conversation because he needed to help her. And we'll never help anybody have an encounter with Jesus if we don't talk to him. I'll just blow your mind for a minute if we don't talk to him. I want you to know I can have a conversation with anybody, anytime, anywhere, because I know the secret. And you can do this too, uh, but I know the secret. Everybody has a favorite subject. Everybody has a favorite subject, and I know what that subject is. And I can tell, if I've never even met you, I know what your favorite subject is. Your favorite subject is you. If I ask you about you, you will get to talking. If I ask you about your kids, your grandkids, where you grew up, uh, your hobbies, your interests, your job, you'll get to talking about you. Sometimes if you get to talking with people about their hobbies and their interests, they'll be talking for 45 minutes. They won't even, you will not, you think, I don't even know if I should have asked because this is crazy right now. You can't get them to shut up. But anyways, praise the Lord. It's all good because it's worth it. And being intentional with those people and building that relationship is worth it every single time. Even though sometimes, I'm just telling you, when you're trying to get in and out of Aldi, the conversation doesn't seem worth it sometimes, but I'm telling you, God honors those things, and he takes great pleasure when his kids are being intentional. Amen, somebody? Amen. We'll never lead people to an encounter if we don't build a relationship. And chances are, you have somebody in your life who you already have some kind of a relationship with who needs to experience or have an encounter with Jesus, needs to experience him in a fresh and powerful way. We took uh, this last week, we took the the Go Team leaders, uh, we gave them Griffin's tickets. Real quick, this isn't in my notes, but can we give our Go Team a round of applause right now? Just really honor them. No, really, really honor them. Because this church, this church would not be the same. I'm telling you. Oh, y'all can stop now. Okay. Uh, 
we, we, we wouldn't be able to do it without the GO team. Every single one of you that serve, you're an answer to prayer. Thank you so much. But we were going to this Griffins game. We're going into the Van Andel, and it's my wife, Naya, and our friend Sam, and we're walking in, and there was this guy who was trying to do some street evangelism. And I want, I want to preface this whole thing a little bit here with saying I'm not trying to hate on anybody or throw, cast shade on anybody who's out there trying to preach the gospel and make disciples. But I also believe that there's a good way to do it. There's an effective way to do it. And we were walking in, and this guy, he had a boombox, and it was playing a message, so it was preaching of some sort. It kind of sounded like a, the computer voice, just the monotone robot voice. And he had a, a shirt on and a sign with some writing on it. And I saw, I didn't really catch all of it because I was trying to get to into the game. We were running a little late. And, um, but I did notice one thing that was on the sign, and it was on the shirt. In big, uh, bold, red letters, one word, repent. And as a pastor, I saw that, and honestly, here's what I thought. If I were somebody who was far from God, I wouldn't want to talk to that guy. I wouldn't, because there's a way to do it. We have to build a relationship. We need to talk to people. We need to be able to look at somebody in the eyes and smile and ask them, how are you doing? And really care about people. And as I'm preaching this message, I understand completely that there are people under the sound of my voice who are having this thought. I don't know if I can lead someone to Christ. I understand. It's all good. I know everybody's at a different spot in their walk with God, but I can tell you this, if you can get them here, we're, we give an invitation to make Jesus Lord every single week. And listen, I want you to be empowered to reach people for Christ, to share Christ with people. But I promise you, if you get them here, we're going to preach the word. They're going to hear worship music that gives all of the glory to God. God will move on that person's heart if you can get them here. So I understand there's people who are thinking, I'm not there yet, and that's okay. I want to I just affirm you, that is okay. Write this down. Don't just invite, bring someone. Bring someone. Bring so eliminate the excuses. And, and the power of a personal invitation is incredible. But when you can go out of your way and bring somebody to church, that'll actually mean so much to people when you're willing to go out of your way and, and bring somebody. And I'll tell you right now, everybody feels like they should be in church on Easter. It doesn't matter where they're at in their relationship with God. Everybody feels like they should be in church on Easter. And we can have, listen, we can have the coolest website and the best Facebook page, but God's church is really not about, new. it's about God's church. God's church really doesn't grow, and we don't really reach people until people start bringing people. Amen, somebody? But we have to be intentional and look for the opportunity. And I've, I've taken this to heart recently. I go to this little gym in Cedar Springs uh, down to, it's, a, it's just down the road from my house up in Cedar. And uh, I go at the same time. I, I go about 5.30 in the morning. Um, and I've been doing this for like six weeks or so. And uh, the first week, so I go, and there's the same three dudes in there every single day. The same three dudes in there working out. They work out together. They're all gym partners. And they work out together every single day. When I, well, whenever I'm there, they're there. So I just assume every day. And, uh, and they're there. And the first week I started going at that time, I'd have my earbuds in. And I'm, I don't really want to talk to anybody. If I'm just being like honest preacher moment, I just go in. Ignore everybody who's in the gym, leave, just get in, get out, do my thing. And I started to feel convicted about this. This very exact thing that I'm preaching to you right now, the Holy Spirit of God said to me, are you being intentional? I thought, shoot, uh, no, I'm not. 
And so second week, I took my earbuds out, left them at home, and I, I kind of randomly started talking to these guys. And uh, these dudes, these dudes are big, like, <laughs> like intimidatingly big, like the kind of guys where like, it's just a little, they're lifting the most obnoxious weight you could imagine. And, and so week two, we just, we kind of started talking a little bit, just nothing real serious. And, um, and one thing I know about guys, if they're serious, like these guys clearly are, is they don't really want to talk to people. They really want to just focus on what they're doing and not really have conversation. But week three came around and we actually started talking, like having some real conversation. And I, start, I, I did my secret. I, I just asked some questions about them. They started talking. It was great. And, and they asked me what I do for a living. And this is the moment that the dynamic of the relationship changes every single time. Where <laughs> people get real weird. I'm just telling you, Pastor Eric, you know what I'm talking about. They don't know how to act. Anyways, uh, and I told them, and they didn't really ask any questions because they're in the middle of a workout, and, um, and, but they were respectful about it. And it was so funny because literally that day, like 20 minutes after we had that little conversation, that little interchange, uh, one of the guys, he was lifting some just unbelievably heavy weight. He dropped it on the floor unexpectedly. He cusses, drops an, drops an F-bomb, and then he looks at me and... and <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is a true story. He had just called me Brian... He had never said, and he looks at me and he goes, I'm sorry, Pastor Brian. He's just like that. And I laughed. I'm serious. I laughed. And because and, and, I'm not, what am I going to do? You know, I just laughed. And I've been building this relationship with these guys. And uh, they have no idea that this week when I see them, because I see them every, uh, like four times a week, I'm going to be inviting all of them to our Easter services. And I'm believing God for these guys. And I, I really believe they're going to be somewhere in this auditorium next Sunday. And I've been, I've been strategic with the relationship so that I can help lead them to an encounter with Jesus. Write this down. Each one can reach one. Each one can reach one. Did you know that there's approximately 2.38 billion Christians on earth today. That's a lot of Christians, right? I don't really know what I should have looked at what the population for the world was, but maybe I'll do that for the 11 a.m. service. What is it? Eight billion? Okay, let me pose a question to you. Could you imagine if, if every single one of those Christians took the Great Commission seriously and reached one person a year? One person a year. And listen, I'm with you more than one person a year. Yes and amen. Like, I'm, I'm totally there. I'm with you. But one person. Just start with one. Just start with one person. Do you have one person in your life who needs to have an encounter with Jesus? Because I think a lot of us are like how the disciples were in John chapter 4. And we read, we read the whole story. In John chapter 4, Jesus has this encounter with this woman, and he's encouraging and, and brings her to God, but also he reads her mail, like totally reads her mail. He, he says to her, he says, uh, go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And she says, or Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is actually not your husband either. And it's funny, you got to see humor in scripture. She, where she says, I perceive you to be a prophet, right? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus has this encounter with this woman. Literally, immediately, this woman, she goes to the town, tells everybody about Jesus, about this encounter she had. Tells everybody, says, this guy told me everything I've ever done. You got to hear him for yourself. While this is happening, the disciples are back, and they see this all go down, and, and the town is on the way. The Bible says, meanwhile, literally, this is happening. The town is approaching Jesus, all of these Samaritans. you got to remember, there's a lot of tension between Samaritans and Jews, and the disciples say, they're trying to convince Jesus, like, 
uh, Rabbi, you got to eat. Like, let's go, let's go get some food. We got to go. Like, the food's more important than the town. And this is what Jesus' response to his disciples are. Verses 34 through 36. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Can I tell you that Jesus is saying the same thing to you today? Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are white with harvest already. The harvest is there, guys. The harvest is there. And talking about loving your neighbor, right? That's, this is the last message in this series, love, your na- love Thy Neighbor. The most loving thing that you can ever do is to share Christ with somebody, is to invite them to church, is to bring them with you to experience the goodness of God. Amen, somebody? Every single person who's not in a relationship with Christ has a God-shaped void in their heart. A God-shaped void that only a relationship with Jesus can fill that and change that. And we read on in John 4, and here's the conclusion. Jesus stays there two days. And it, the Bible says that they all believed, not just because of what the woman said, but because he needed to go through Samaria because there were people there that he needed to reach. And that is the heart of God. Real quick, a couple ways that you can get involved in the Great Commission, this instruction from Jesus. Number one, lead someone to Christ. Number two, invite someone to church. Number three, look for the opportunity. You got to look for it. I'll tell you right now, we're going to make it real easy for you. We have an opportunity in front of us. We really do. I need, I shouldn't say I need, God needs, the church needs 16 people today to sign up for our Easter outreach. It's next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. We're meeting here at 5.30. We're eating dinner together. We're leaving at 6, coming back at 8. It's a door hanger outreach. If you, if you have working fingers, you can do it. I believe in you. But we can't do it alone. We need your help. Every year that we've done this outreach before Easter, People have come to the church, let us know that that's how they heard about us on the connection card that we have people fill out. And every single year we've done it, people have given their life to Christ. And so that's the importance of getting involved in the Great Commission. And you'll notice, we put the Easter invites on, on the car or on the seats. Uh, there's others out in the lobby. You're going to take as many Easter invites as you want. Because I know there are people... In your life, there are people in my life who need to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And I think we need to refocus, reprioritize our hearts on what's on God's heart. And it's actually cool, and I don't want this to feel like uh, needy, whatever. Um, It's the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do reaching somebody for God. I give you special permission if you bring somebody with you. During that altar call, you can peek. You can peek. If I say, well, it'd be Pastor Joe. If Pastor Joe says, you know, raise your hand if you're making that decision, you can peek. Because when they do raise their hand, I've had that happen to me, it's an adrenaline rush. Like, it's the most fulfilling thing 
you'll have in your life. And I really do want to challenge you. Prayerfully consider this week. Really take that to God and ask him, God, who in my life needs to have an encounter with you? And make the invitation. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. God, I thank you that you're ministering to people's hearts right now. I understand that this message is is a little bit challenging because there's action required. If we really believe your word, there's action required. And God, I thank you that you're moving on people's hearts, that you're opening people's eyes to see you in a new way, in a fresh way, in a powerful way. God, I pray that you're speaking, that, that you're showing right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you're showing people that person that needs an encounter with you. That that person's face would, 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 would pop up as, as, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, that people would see the person that you're placing on their heart. God, I thank you that there's people in this room, if anybody has not made the decision to make you Lord, God, I thank you that you'd help me to find them. In Jesus' name. I want to speak to your hearts just for a moment. If, moment, if you're in this place, in this message, hearing about the goodness of God has resonated with you, but you've never made the decision to make Jesus Lord, I just want to let you know it is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Making him Lord just means making him boss, putting your trust in him, acknowledging that God uh, uh, raised him from the dead, that he died on a cross. Jesus died on a cross for our sins in our place so that we could not just be saved from hell, but saved to live out an eternal purpose on earth today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. If you're in the room today, and you'd say, that's me. I want to make that decision today. Would you take a step of boldness? Just for a quick moment, just throw your hand up in the air. Just throw, thank you. Yep, thank you. You can put them down. Thank you so much. We're going to say a prayer that is declaring Jesus as Lord. And the Bible says if you Say this prayer and mean it in your heart that you'll be saved. There's going to be people all around you saying this same prayer as a declaration of their faith and in support of you. And we're going to do that right now. Would you repeat this after me? Lord, I come before you today in search of a new way. You said in your word that if I would call Jesus Lord, that I would be saved. Jesus, I now call you Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody together said a big amen. Can we give it up for uh, the people who accepted Christ in this place? From death to life, everybody. I love that. I love that so much. I love that so much. We've been, we've been just so honored, and um, we've, just, we've enjoyed. And it's been our privilege to see people get saved every week. Every week, people making that decision. You can stay seated. For just a moment, I do have a couple of announcements to make, and so just trek with me for another quick moment. I did pretty good on time today, Joe. That was good. Uh, <laughs> y'all have to, y'all don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. Uh, uh, announcements. Um, New Chapel Connect again today is engagement too. If you've never been to Connect, it's in the Grow Room, which if if you go out these doors, hang a right, the Grow Room's like right on the other side of these walls. Uh, we do it both services in that room. It's going to take you from invite to involvement. You're going to learn more about the church, vision, 
uh, mission, doctrine, and be able to have the opportunity to partner with the church and really get plugged in. And so New Chapel Connect happens during both services. So if you come to the 9, you can stay after for the 11 for Connect. If you go to the 11, you can come before to New Chapel Connect during the 9. Uh, also, uh, baptisms are happening on April 24th. Uh, baptism is an important step of obedience in our walk with God. Once we get saved, what's the first thing uh, we encourage people to do is follow Jesus into water baptisms. If you or anybody you know, your friends, your family, is a uh, Bible-believing Christian, has never been water baptized, grab them by the neck, I don't know, uh, take them to guest services, get them signed up for baptisms April 24th. Uh, this week, Holy Week, Good Friday, it's a 60-minute service that you don't want to miss this Friday at um, 7 p.m. I cry every year. I just, it is what it is. Tell the, chain the devil and tell the truth. It's a, it's a powerful message. You're not going to want to miss it. 60 minute there. Easter uh, on next Sunday, we have those special uh, Easter times, 8 o'clock, 9.15, and 11. If, you're, if you come pretty consistently, we're going to ask some people come to the 8 uh, because we think for people maybe newer first time in a long time, that kind of a thing, are either coming to the 9, 15, or the 11. And so just think about that. Uh, and then lastly, the Easter outreach is next Tuesday and Wednesday. We're meeting here at 530. We're going to feed you, and we're going to go from 6 to 8, hanging door hangers. And uh, there's always people who ask, what are you guys doing? And that's a great opportunity to share Christ with people, really get involved in the Great Commission. That sign-up is at guest services. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so happy I get to see all of you today and worship God with you. I hope you receive something. Hope God. Here's what I pray every, every week before I go up here is, uh, anytime I get to go up here, is uh, that you'd hear from God. Is, is not so much that you hear me, but you hear from the Holy Spirit. And so I hope you received from God today. Would you stand on your feet with me? Would you lift your hands to receive the blessing? Thank you, Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, thanks everybody. Y'all have a great weekend.